0: Blog Talk Radio. On the fact that we normally have A opening of Some sort And it's normally straight on and to the point There was a reason that was all Messed up tonight Tonight is our election coverage Slash NCAA ba- basketball preview Here on the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show And Politically This is a messed up day 1% of the votes in so far in the popular vote and Donald Trump is up two th- 202,000 000- votes to ninety five thousand votes. And we are not a political show. We very rarely spout anything political on this show. Seth, I'm scared. I'm really, really no. scared. I may have I no. may have to start rooting for Australian basketball.
1: Well I always claim to be rooting for the Russian in Rocky four and who knows. Maybe one of our candidates was too. Welcome to the show, Seth and Sean Sports Radio. And, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking a little – I mean, I don't think we're going to be really discussing too much politics tonight. Um, the 7 o'clocks have closed, but for all intents and purposes, the big, the big states the big states are going to be coming later. Um, so, And, and people who are going to be listening most of the time. This will be on uh, – this is going to be on a download, not on live. So everyone by that point will know. Those of you who know me know where my feelings lie. Uh, I'm assuming Sean's are probably somewhere in the, in the same area, although he is not as blatant about it, I think, as I am. So to kind of go on to the more enjoyable discussions. So before we get to the college basketball preview, I want to talk about potentially the greatest baseball game I have ever seen Uh game seven Tuesday night, uh, Chicago breaks the 108, eight year streak. David Ross, Theo Epstein go from Boston to, you know, win in Boston, win in, win in Chicago. And I was trying to think of similarities to this game, considering everything that it entailed. Um, and where it ranks in the great, you know, among the all-time great games. And I told you the games that came up, that came into mind were the, the, the Texas, St. Louis, I guess it was game six, the David Freeze game, where yep. they were one strike away and Nelson Cruz, if Nelson Cruz could field. Ron Washington would probably still be the manager of the Texas Rangers, and Game Seven of the 2003 ALCS, where Grady left Pedro in just a little bit too long, and Aaron Ethan Boone made his way into Yankee lore uh, and with a 13th, I think it was a 13th inning home run uh, off of Tim Wakefield. But you know, either of these games, the Texas-St. Louis game just didn't have the same appeal. It was the Game Six. And as great as Yankee Red Sox was, it was not a World Series. So the more I thought about it, I think considering everything that was on the line with these two teams, the twists and turns that the game t- took, the emotions that were coming from everywhere in every direction, 180-some-odd years of futility you know, summed up in one five-hour game. I think this was the greatest baseball game I've ever seen.
0: Okay, so I when Seth says he's talked with me, we discussed this offline before we came on the show. It's a little bit... Yeah, I agree with you in a lot of ways with that. So I'm sitting on my couch. I watched the game by myself, um, still trying not to scream due to my vocal problems. And what amazed me was at about 12.30... Something popped on my screen, which said, you have been inactive for the last five hours. Would you like to turn off your cable box now? That has never happened to me for any game or any show, five hours of inactivity. That meant I didn't change the channel once. That means I didn't go up and down in volume once, and probably that means I never got off my seat. That's never happened Ever. So if you're looking for drama and you're looking for anxiety, certainly the best baseball game I've ever seen. I have my own uh, couple of games that I'd put it up there. Number one is the 2001 Game 7. I just thought uh, between the Diamondbacks and the Yankees. I thought that was a tremendous game. Number two, like you, there was a game that was not a World Series game but still held the same angst for me. And I think that's probably why you and I are picking a championship series game is because we actually had a horse in the race. Mine was the 1986 Game 6 against the Astros where Kevin Bass, Billy Hatcher hit a home run in the 13th inning. And then the Mets came back. Ha- knowing that if they didn't win that game, they were going to have to play against Mike Scott the next day for the third time, and they had already lost two. And the third one that I have is you really have to decide whether you enjoy a 9-8 game or a 9-7 game or a one nothing game. Because to me, a pitching matchup is a lot more special than that of an offensive explosion. It always has been. I think to be a pitcher is phenomenal, and to be able to to throw a gem like Jack Morris did against John Smoltz, I've never seen a a game pitched better than that game, ever. So those are three games that I would put up there. But as far as for anxiety purposes, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think the fact that we are – 40 years old now and we are able to Appreciate what It is to be a Cubs fan Because we have a lot of friends that are those Indians fans, lots of friends That are those And I can appreciate the fact that my team hasn't won In 30 years In that I can Appreciate the moment that the Cubs won What is interesting is Your comment right before Rajay Davis hits the home run So Seth and I are talking back and forth the Indians get two one, and I said, suck that if they hit a home run here, they're right back in it." And he goes, "Rajay Davis isn't a home run hitter." And my response was, "Neither was David Ross." And there goes Rajay Davis with a three run homer. <laughs> I mean, it was quite funny and ironic all at the same time, I and mean, good fun. We've all made ba- We've all made bad um, prognostications. It was just very timely, in which you said, "Rajay Davis isn't a home run hitter." But you're right. David Ross and Theo Epstein now go, and John Lester. Don't forget John Lester, who probably pitched as well, if not better, than anybody else in that game, when I'm not sure he should have been in that game to begin with. Joe Maddon is lucky he won that game. Because he made a lot of decisions that I, I and a lot of other people did not agree with. Yeah.
1: I think part of the greatness of this game, was actually, I don't want to say the failure, but the inability of the pitchers who are the best pitchers of the playoffs, kind of see. Kind of dece- I don't want to say their frailties, but Corey Kuber was phenomenal the first two games, was mediocre in the third. Andrew Miller, who you had said, had potentially having the greatest playoff in the history of baseball, gets a hit for it gets hit by uh, – lets up a home run to a 39-year-old catcher playing his last game. Aronis Chapman, yep. owner of a 137-mile-an-hour fastball, gets lit up by a guy who simply doesn't hit home runs, partially because he pitched 40 innings – The 40, excuse me, pitches the night before. I think this all led – you know, if, if everything was unperfect and Cooper was great and and Hendricks, who they probably never should have taken out, was fantastic. Hendricks was the best pitcher I saw I thought. Um it would have been a great game but I don't know how, you know, it would have lived in Chicago folklore. I am not sure if it would have lived. It would go down as an all-time great. Without all these unexpected surprises along the way.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Okay. I can go with you on that. And uh but all in all, a tremendous World Series. Tremendous. And one that will go down in lore. First of all, obviously breaking the hundred and eight years of Cub futility. But more to the point, we as a nation, we as a fan base, being a baseball fans, has certainly dwindled in time. Have become less popular as football has become more popular as basketball has become more popular. I would like to say that baseball returned a lot of that popularity on that night. It's ratings were phenomenal for that night. And I'm not saying that will change what is going on with its comparison to base to basketball and football, uh, going forward, but certainly for one night, Baseball was king, no question.
1: For one night, it was, but it was interesting considering the teams involved. And yes, you, I was surprised. I was actually, I was not surprised. It had the highest. I think it had 49 million watchers viewers, which was the highest since Game Seven of the '91 World Series, which actually shocked me. Which was Minnesota in Atlanta. Minnesota, not exactly a metropolis. In comparison, you know, not a, not a huge. You know, we're not talking New York, LA. We're not talking, you know. While yes, it won. It's it, it won because it was a game seven. It won because football is taking a hit this year, and because as you said, there was 180 years of futility going on, you know, that were being based on this. So, I don't, I I see it as an anomaly. And when you have a sport. That where the, where the African American population in the sport is so small, and it's not going to without more players coming in. I don't see that that I don't see that increasing. I think you know it, it, I think it's a dying generation sport where again it's the people guys in the in the '60s and '70s and '80s, you know, who remember from the good old days. You know, kind of similar in a lot of ways to this election. In a, in a lot of ways, um, you know, seeing something, you know, trying to go back to where it was in baseball, in my mind, it was a wonderful series. It was a phenomenal game. Couldn't be happier for Cubs fans. And I, if the Yankees are not, you know, comp are not competitive in the near future, I would, you know, it would be nice to see Cleveland right there, considering how close they came in 97 and, you know, in 95, I mean, not as close in 95, but very close to 97. It's certainly very close last night, you know, last week. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. I don't, I don't, I see it more as a flip than as a uh, long-term. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Seth, if you want some interesting stats, the 1991 world series. Okay. I just looked it up. And a lot of this has to do with the amount of channels that are now available. The fact that you can get (laughs) everything on demand DVR and so on and so forth in 1991, Game one had thirty five million viewers. Game two had twenty six. Game three had thirty. Game four had thirty three. Game four game wait. Game four had thirty three. Game five had thirty two. Game six had thirty three. And game seven had forty. No,
1: I, was sorry, I thought it. Was 49 for some okay.
0: Wait, I messed up. Wait, wait, did I? Oh no, I was looking at the average. I'm sorry, you were correct. So it starts at 26, 30, 33, 32, 33, 40, and and then 50. You're absolutely correct with a 32 share, but it averaged 24, uh, 35 million viewers. This series, which we consider a tremendous series, averaged 22. Not even close to that, and. But compared to last year, it averaged 8 million, more, 8 million more viewers than the Kansas City Mets. And that was with the Mets in the World Series, which brings the New York market into play. Maybe an anomaly, maybe not. I hope not. I mean, I like the fact that baseball triumphed for once and that the NFL ratings are going down. So maybe that may bring a couple more people and certainly Cubs fans and Indian fans were watching this game with their children and grandchildren hopefully that brought a little bit more of the baseball lore back to the younger generation and then they got to hear this And I'll tell you, Seth, I couldn't stop singing that song on Thursday morning for some reason. It was just the entire morning that's all I was singing. And congratulations to the Chicago Cubs and to their fans because they are some of the best fans there are. Unfortunately, my tickets for the Chicago Cubs Mets series next year will be sky high given that they're in September. And I don't relish that cost.
1: As, as we did, kind of segue a little bit, as, as you had discussed, the NFL has taken a bit of a hit this year. And uh, as good a game as last night's Bill Seahawks was, I'm pretty sure there was no. It was once again we saw some you know some controversy. Uh, Richard Sherman kind of jump running into the, doing a pretty much a, a cross block into the kicker, uh, Dan Carpenter on a field goal, which they didn't call as roughing the kicker number one and then because the kicker because the kicker was taken out at his knees the medical staff had to come out buffalo didn't have a timeout and because and so he had to sit out for a play so buffalo was screwed in all sorts of situations and it would come in it would come in play a bit as seattle would hold on to win 31 25 in a very good game and then uh dan carpenter's wife made a tweet did you read this tweet
0: I did read the tweet. I think people are a little overreacting to the tweet, but I did read the tweet. If you'd like to read it, go ahead.
1: No, you have it. If you have it in front of you, I don't. I it was. It, whether people were overreacting or not, it would certainly not be. It certainly was not the most articulate, or <laughs> it was certainly not the best way to state aggression. I guess is the best way to call it.
0: No, I agree. Um, I agree with that. So what he so what he said. What she said, excuse me, is she she posted a picture of what you would use to castrate a bull, a, a device, and her quote was, I know what we do on the farm when a male can't control his rage. Lucky I'm not, hashtag, lucky I'm not there, hashtag Sherman, hashtag, act like an animal, get treated like one. So as I said before, I think people are overreacting to this. Okay. I've seen it been made into a racial thing. I've seen people say that you don't call an African American an animal. You don't call anybody an animal at all. You don't look Kayla Carpenter is not going to be able to live this one down. Very beautiful woman, but definitely not going to be able to live this one down for a while. Um, so Richard Sherman actually wrote wrote back and said, at Kayla Carpenter, a couple of things with uh, a couple of emojis with tears saying, thank you, have a great day. Props to Richard Sherman, who, look, we've all said Richard Sherman is outspoken, but certainly an intelligent guy, having gone to Stanford.
1: Yeah. Uh, speaking of guys who went to very good schools but are kind of on the other side of the spectrum, uh, you want to explain the Ryan Fitzpatrick fourth, uh, fourth down pass? Nope.
0: It was an Eli Manning <laughs> pass. That's how, I, that's how I describe it. Look, if right now Todd Balls has said if Ryan Fitzpatrick is healthy, he will start. Ryan Fitzpatrick has a sprained MCL. It's time for Bryce Petty. It's time for Christian Hackenberg. Somebody else. There is no chance that the Mets. The Jets are, yeah, they're not going to Look, Muhammad Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson were were, um, benched for the first quarter last week. Look, you asked me earlier this year in the season whether Todd Bowles' job was in trouble. Uh, At the time, I told you it wasn't. I'm going back on that. I, I think that right now his really? job is in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I think with the discord that is happening in the Jets locker room and the fact that Wilkerson and Richardson have missed meetings, reportedly missed meetings, many meetings, including they missed the meeting where they were celebrating Muhammad Wilkerson's birthday. Really? And Darrell Reeves <laughs> is speaking out, and the quarterback didn't work out. I, I Yeah, I think his – I think his job is in, in jeopardy. Not during the season, but unless they pull out six and ten, seven and nine. Yeah, I think I think Todd Balls is gonna be fired.
1: Well, oh, and that that's a discussion for another day. Uh, apparently Nick Saban had an offer from the Giants last year and took too long to uh to, to took too long to accept it. Uh, potentially, maybe he'll be looking at the other uh, New York job if Alabama goes and wins yet again, uh, wins a sixth title. Um, you know, other thoughts from uh, this Sunday, this Sunday, this Sunday in football.
0: Well, one of the thoughts is that Eli Manning got away with a pass that so he shouldn't have thrown again. Um, the Giants seem to save Eli's hide every time he needs it. They are still in the playoff hunt. They're still in the divisional hunt, but I am shocked that Dallas is in first place. I think you are too. I mean, we both had, we both predicted them to be in last, and they're in first. And right now, if the season ended today, they would. Have, Jerry's world would be home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I'm equally shocked that Green Bay can't seem to t- tell their left from the right, and they're a mess. And I guess that's what happened was what happens when you don't have a running game. And they just don't. I mean, they're starting Ty Montgomery, a converted wide receiver, as they're starting running back, losing Eddie Lacy, losing James Starks. Niall Davis didn't work out. He was cut by the Packers, signed by the Jets, cut by the Jets, signed back by the Chiefs. So he's back where he started from. So... Uh, because... at...
1: <sighs> no, continue, please.
0: No, that's basically it. I, I don't have any other thoughts except that Buffalo basically lost the playoff spot this week as well. I think they were no. in it. I think they don't have it anymore. Um, the best rivalry in the NFL may still be Baltimore and Pittsburgh because you can never tell who's <laughs> going to win one of those games.
1: Um, you know, when I look at this week, I I think you look at, the giants are still not very good. I don't, I, I don't care what their record says. Um, so I'm not too, you know, kind of thinking outside of the New York area as we usually do, you know, I'm impressed Oakland going to Denver. I think you're looking, you're potentially looking, you know, because their schedule, I believe is pretty weak other than the, the, the conference game, other than the divisional games going down the stretch. You, you look at, o- you look at Oakland, you look at Kansas city, Who's actually, I believe, eighteen and three in their last twenty-one regular season games. You know, they just find ways to win. You look at Minnesota, who three weeks ago was the was the, the you know the apple in everyone's eye. Now they've lost three in a row. Their offense coordinator quit, and you know they're losing. They lost to Detroit on a fifty-eight-yard field goal. I think right now the two best teams in the NFC. Are Dallas and Seattle, but I'll be honest, this, this has been a year of mediocrity. And I see New England, and then I see everybody else. And we'll see how that plays out. But certainly there's a lot to go, a long way to go. A lot of people are going to get healthy. But as we've talked about, you know, I've mentioned that I, I've felt that the quality of the NFL has dropped over the last couple of years. And this is just the most precipitous drop. And it's reflected in the ratings. You know, part of it due to this election, part of it due just, you know, to everything that the NFL has dealt with over the last couple of years. At some point, they were going to plateau, and it looks like this is it. Speaking of plateauing and mediocrity, we do need to discuss both of our alma maters losing by a combined score of 114 to three this week. Not our greatest moment
0: we can discuss them, but look at the teams that they were playing too. I mean, they were playing the second and third best team in the country and I didn't have any grandiose uh, thoughts that they were going to win. I didn't have any grandiose thoughts that they would put together a, a decent game. The, their, the Syracuse quarterback, um, Eric Dungy was taught, was hurt in the first quarter and there went, any semblance of a rushing game, any semblance of a throwing game. Syracuse isn't a good team right now. They are on their way up, no doubt, but they're just not there yet. So I don't. There's no excuse. They're just not on the caliber of a Clemson. But guess what? Neither is probably. I don't know. There are probably. I think there are 118 teams in the NCAA Division One. Probably 95 aren't on the same. Same caliber as Clemson, so I don't feel any real sympathy or sorrow for for them
1: right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone really does, and I think it's more close to 110 on on the same plateau. It's probably the most impressive game Clemson's had all season. You know, as we talked about after the first playoff, and they're coming out with the next um, uh, the next rankings is, is on now, but no one's really watching it because it's number one, the election's going on, and number two, it's four weeks before it really matters. I think I said last week that I didn't really have, or we had talked about that A&M was not going to stay very long in the top four. Um, there was no reason to think that they would. I didn't think they'd go down this quickly, um, but losing pretty convincingly Mississippi state. So Washington most likely jumps up to four. And right now it's, a, it is as amazing as it sounds, it's a 16 race for four spots. And that's really it. Um, your, 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 your Alabama is going to get in. We have, even if they lose Clemson is going to most likely get in even if they lose you're looking at the winner most likely of Michigan Ohio State getting in, and even Michigan potentially getting in if they lost in a great game and that four spot so you're you're looking at those four teams you're looking at washington impressive again, and you're looking at Louisville those are your six teams that's that's it. There's nobody else. I don't even think in the realm of discussion. at And so it looks. It looks like the, the uh, they may have a little bit of an easy way out via committee. Again, I'm saying this three weeks in advance, and who the heck knows what happens? You know, with a lot of these games coming up, but as of now, it, it does seem like a relatively easy job.
0: Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean Texas A&M made it very easy for everybody, and we probably have six teams, as you said, right now. And until, as I said, all season, until somebody out unseats Alabama, they are my favorite going in, and they are playing just like they should be going into this, into the uh, the last quarter poll.
1: So we got that with football. We should talk a little bit before we – because our, our, we should talk a little bit on two sports we don't talk to on very often before we get to college basketball preview. What are your th- – Manny Pacquiao wins – um, comes back, wins the title again. Floyd Mayweather attends. And we're suddenly hearing rumors of Mayweather, Pacquiao too. Now, I don't know if there's validity to it. I almost in a lot of ways don't want to know. Jake is smiling at the thought of it right now. Or just likes the taste of his blanket. I'm not really sure. But after the complete travesty it was last time, and we have no idea whether Pacquiao was legitimately hurt or not, as a casual boxing fan. Now, last, now, last year, when the, when the fight happened last time, it was, it was the night before, my, my, for me, the five-barrow bike ride. I was watching game six of the, clip, the brilliant Clippers-Spurs final versus game seven. And I had to be up at 6 a.m., so I didn't watch the fight. And I kind of knew what was – I kind of had a feeling what was going to happen. As a casual boxing – as a casual – as a big sports fan and a casual boxing fan, would you have any interest in seeing a rematch?
0: Yeah, I told you. There's going to be a rematch. I told you that. That's not what I said. Would you
1: have interest in it?
0: Yeah, I think I'd have interest in it. I mean, look, it's – it is a – boxing match between two guys that I actually know I can't say <laughs> that about many boxing Well, and, and that goes to the ca- not the caliber but the popularity of the sport these days in that I know the Klitschko's I know Pacquiao I know Mayweather I know Andre Ward that's about it that, that, that would be my uh, my whole entire brevity of knowledge when it comes to basketball, so uh, basketball, when it comes to boxing. So if I'm going to watch a fight, that's probably the fight I'd watch. So yeah, uh, Andre,
1: that's Ward. Andre Ward's actually in a fight for the first time in about five years. Andre Ward is a, is in a fight this weekend where he'll be fighting somebody. He will be fighting somebody that is capable of beating him in uh Sergey Kovalev, who's the number one fighter in the world at 175, so that should that should be a great fight. It's too bad it's it's a, a pay per view. Also, to jump from to a sport we never talk about. For the first time ever, MMA in New York. Three world championship fights, including Conor McGregor. Um, you are not you have never been an MMA guy. You're not an MMA guy. Back Sports Page, unfortunately did not did not supply tickets for the fight. Not that you're going to watch because you're not going to, but do you have, do you have any particular interest one way or the other in just seeing what happens? Just seeing how it plays out or not really?
0: Well, here's the thing. I have interest in it so much as MMA is back in New York, and it provides another outlet for Madison Square Garden, another there will be, if this is successful, which right now, the last time I checked, tickets for this, were the lowest ticket, the get in ticket, was over $500. So if that's the case, and I'm going to look that up right now, the get in ticket as of today for, hold on, for the MMA fight, so that means just to get in there on SeatGeek, I'm looking it up right now, UFC, no, that's the weigh ins. The weigh ins, you can get in for $5. You can go in the weigh in for $5. For the November 12th fight, you would need to pay $795 to get in. And that's, oh, that is with fees. So $795, and that seat gets you, actually, um, it gets you in the 415, so all the way up at the top behind what would be the basket of an NBA game. That's a lot of money. I mean, that's a real lot of money. I I don't know who's paying that, but if they continue to get these type of prices and get people in it, in the game, or in the in the arena, the highest price, by the way, is 4572 and that is in row three behind the media. Oh, no, I'm sorry. There is actually a section Zufa, which I didn't even know was a section. Two tickets,
1: $19,000. I have $19, no will. $19,000? I, I mean, would I, you I,
0: pay $19,000 for, for Ali Frazier?
1: <laughs> there is not one sporting event I would – there's not one thing in the world that I can – well, no, that's not true. I paid that once. But there's not one sporting event in the world that I would ever pay $19,000 for. There's not one event yep. that I would attend that I would pay $19,000 for. Um, I'm more than happy to either watch with friends or to sit back, you know, considering, well, my wife, my wife, who I I forgot to mention one of the funnier events of game seven of the world series asked if who was winning Chicago or Tennessee. And then when I told her that Tennessee (laughs) wasn't playing, she asked how Indiana was doing. Um, I think she's ready for, I guess MBA for the MBA. College season. basketball. <laughs> well, not for Chicago though. But yeah, we'll get and we'll get to college no. basketball and you know with Indiana, we should have a very nice year this year um, going forward. But Wait a second. you know, <laughs> what would you say? <laughs>
0: Instead of a sporting event, Carly will be running for president because that's the type of comment that our presidential candidates have made this this year. Okay, continue on. Your very right.
1: Thank you, I appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, God bless my wife. Amazing, great wife, great mom. Not exactly a sports fan unless it comes to the Nets. So and to watch the Nets. <laughs> although not quite as not quite as bad as you know, as it could have been. It's gonna be a long year out in uh Brook out in Brooklyn in the house. Brooklyn certainly is not in the house. The islanders aren't yeah, no one's the islanders aren't happy there, nobody's happy with the Nets there. <sighs> at least we have college basketball season and I think that's a pretty good segue into college basketball. And it was funny, uh, a guy someone who, who was on the show off in the Bate Isles, I Wrote, wrote on Facebook how they, how the game was the game of the year and it was the moment of the year and the team of the year uh, with the Cubs. And while it may be the game of the year, it certainly, to me, it was not the moment of the year. And the moment of the year was, Villano- was uh, Villanova hitting the three-pointer at the buzzer to beat Carolina in just an absolutely brilliant uh, championship game. And now you're, you're going into a year where... Even in, in, in this year, more than, almost than most, the freshmen are going to dominate. And whether it's Harry Giles or Jason Tatum down in Duke, or it's Josh Jackson in at, at, at um yeah, Kansas uh, Bam Adebayo at Kentucky. Uh, uh what's his name Miles Bridges in Michigan State. this is an absolutely stacked freshman class coming in and yeah. as um, as, a, as a man who's coming off a shocking I think I can say shocking, but a certainly gratifying final four run. you know, we'll start with our teams first. What is your expectation for your beloved Orange this year?
0: Well, look. I can't be predicting a Final Four because that would just be unfair. It would be unfair to you. That would be like you predicting a Super Bowl for the Giants. It it would just be unfair because that would be my third Final Four in six years. And while I would love a third Final Four in six years, it may happen, but I'm not going to predict it. I think we'll probably go to the Sweet 16. I think we are a better team than last year, a much better team than last year. We are going to play nine guys. We, uh, in the history of Jim Beheim, as far as he's I can recall, he's never played nine guys. <laughs> never played nine guys, right? And we have a legit seven-footer to play the middle of the zone. We are incredibly long. There, there might be a time on the court where there is nobody under six six. That's
1: is this the time? Severe. Is this where I make? It? Never mind. So well, I, I'm uh, so confused on, on the. Go ahead. No, 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 I'm still confused. You're going to go nine deep? You've never gone nine deep. I know. Syracuse, Syracuse, you've won a championship with three and a half players.
0: Yep. We're going to go eight or
1: nine.
0: Let's put it this way. Seth, we redshirted today a top 50 recruit from last year. Redshirted. Because we don't have the room. Not not that we don't have the room. He just won't get the playing time. Top fifty recruit. That that's pretty amazing for Syracuse, not being able to play a guy that's a top fifty recruit. And play him a lot. So yeah, I think it's a sweet sixteen. I think we have an outside shot of winning of going to the final four. And I give us a five percent shot of winning it all. We're we're gonna be good. And we're gonna be we're gonna be a tough out, as we always are, but Normally we have like a six-one or a six-two point guard and a six-three or a six-four shooting guard at the top of that zone. Potentially we could be playing uh, Tyler Lydon at the two, who's six ten. Very good for Syracuse. So I'm I'm very much anticipating this year. I'm happy to be playing uh, with the Syracuse University Marching Band Alumni Group. Uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving at Barclays Arena. So if you'd like to come by and we will be playing uh, that's against St. John's. And then we play at MSG on December 7th against Connecticut, which should be an amazing game harking back to the big East days. What about your Maryland Terrapins? You, you go from a top 25 team, you lose a couple of players in Diamondstone, and And um, I can't remember the big guy, um, but you lose him too. And, no no no, not we Jake Lyman. It. The really big guy. Robert
1: Robert Carter? He,
0: right, the tractor. Yes. The guy that I called yeah. tractor. So, so you lose the tractor, but you have the you have the second best mellow I know back and you've dropped out of the top twenty five, but are you a tournament team?
1: Well, actually we haven't dropped out of the top twenty five, and both the APA and the, the coach is Paul Worst were oh. In the twenties. Um, I okay, like our team. My bad. Maryland has always has never done well with expectations, and last year we had a boatload of them, and the team never gelled. As much as I hate to admit it, the town, you know, as you know, we had transfer from Duke. Oh, God, I'm just forgetting his name. Jesus. Um, we had Carter. We had Tremble was not very good last year. I think. I think his, and he's kind of admitted that the press clippings got to him a little bit and whether to go pro or not go pro. Um, So, you know, it's early. So the team really never played. And the best example was when they played against um, in the sweet 16, when they played, it was Kansas and the first half they played extremely well. And then the second half, they just absolutely imploded. No reason, no reason for it. They just did. And, is we've had that with a couple teams over the years and we've done always done better. And Gary Williams did better with teams that under with less talent, and a little bit feistier. And I'm kind of getting a feeling that's what this team is going to be. They bring in the DC point guard of the year and Anthony Cowan, they bring in Kevin Hirter, who's the top 30 recruit. They're going to, they bring back their centers. They're going to be okay. Um, the big 10 is stacked this year. So I, I don't see, a, I don't see a run at the big 10 title. I think we're looking kind of about where we, we are, a 20 and 10 team. The second round, you know, a sweet 16 would be a nice year. And with potentially a pretty good class coming in next year, um, you know, I think we're in good shape going forward. But, you know, last year with talent-wise was our year to make a run, and it just didn't happen. But we will see how, we'll see how it plays out.
0: One of the good things is, Seth, is that you're keeping the continuity. Right, so you re-signed Turgeon for three additional years, where continuity after Gary Williams wasn't exactly there. So here you are with good continuity going forward.
1: Yeah, we're pretty satisfied with Turgeon. I, I was thrilled when I got Turgeon. I thought he, I didn't think he'd be this good a recruiter. I thought he would actually be a better X's and O's guy. But all in all, it it was a good. It, it seems to have worked out okay. So let's take a quick jump around around the conferences quickly because we only have um, – we'll start with the ACC, with your boys. You know, when uh-huh. you look at this conference, my lord, you have North Carolina who is, you know, a three-pointer away from – you know, three seconds away from a national championship. Virginia, who was a Final Four team until the last ten minutes when they weren't. And you have Duke, who is pretty much the unanimous preseason number one. You have Louisville. You have – Notre Dame you know you have Pittsburgh you have Cuse to me it is Duke it's Duke than everybody else I, as I said I think Duke is phenomenal this year if the freshman can hold um, what are your thoughts
0: yeah I think Duke is definitely uh, the top of the class no question about it I think that they get three three now let's say two All-Americans first team All-Americans that is Grayson Allen who once again is in the mold of the Steve Wojciechowski, the Bob Hurleys, the Christian Leitners, the guys everybody loves to hate. but
1: he The J.J. J. Redick, We call it the J.J. Reddick Award, I believe.
0: Well, you do that in Maryland anyway. Everywhere else, I think <laughs> we call it the Wojciechowski Award because we didn't like Wojo any more than we liked Reddick. But anyway, he seems to be of that ilk, and Krzyzewski loves those types of players, and... I'm very surprised that I'm putting him as a, as an All-American, but he has definitely superseded anything that I thought he would do. And he was a McDonald's All-American. I mean, not to not to belittle what he, the talent that he has. I think Dennis Smith Jr. at North Carolina State will be the other All-American from that conference. North Carolina State is a tough out, as usual, but they will be a tougher out in Raleigh this year than anywhere else. But you're right, they are... Absolutely stacked. I mean, if you look at the top twenty-five, Duke is number one, North Carolina is number six. Excuse me, Louisville is fourteen, Syracuse is seventeen. Um, you why am I is North
1: Carolina? Oh. Am
0: I missing North Carolina? No, you Carolina forgot Virginia.
1: Virginia. No. Oh, I, I, don't Virginia. So. I don't think so.
0: Where's Virginia? Oh, Virginia's number seven. Excuse me. So they have three in the top ten, they have four in the top uh, fifteen, they have five in the top twenty. So, and then you have North Carolina State, uh, I believe, getting other votes. So, overall, they are going to be the best team in the NCAA, and I think that's the top five. I think Syracuse will be in the in the four spot over Louisville, but I think you you got Duke, Virginia. Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, Syracuse, top four.
1: Yeah, no real argument. I'll probably put Notre Dame in there as well. It's just Notre Dame always just seems to find a way. Um, the conference, as usual. Now, again, it's stacked, but I, I kind of hate, you know, you, I liked it a little bit more in the good old days, and I know it's horrible to say that. And if you're looking at a surprise to me, maybe looking at Florida State, but I, I look and there's, there's just an enormous amount of talent there, but just there's also so many damn teams. <laughs> you know, there's just no way to put it. When well, have... that was, and
0: that was the same problem with the old Big East, right? You just had so many teams, and and definitely don't don't shy away from Pittsburgh either. I mean, sh- Pittsburgh is actually starting a six-seven, two hundred and twenty-pound player at point guard, which would be an interesting, uh, unconventional way of Kevin Stallings getting his best five players on the court Jamal Artis is going to start at point guard at 67 220 220 yeah and but they took a, they took a the step
1: court. back they took a step back with their coaching Kevin Stong is jumping over from um from Vandy after Jamie from Dixon when you yeah when Jamie Dixon when you leave Pittsburgh a perennial top 25 to go to Texas to go to TCU which while a football juggernaut is not exactly a basketball one I think you well, kind of. Hold on.
0: But it's also his alma mater, Seth. So it, I is, mean, there it is, something is his, it is his alma mater.
1: To be fair, it is his alma mater. Um, so jumping forward, we'll go to the Big 12, which might, they might as well just rename the Kansas Conference um, for basketball purposes. Yeah. You know, hell of a year last year. Kansas very, very good. Oklahoma gets to the final eight. Um, you know, you're looking at, or Oklahoma. Oklahoma got to the final four, my fault. Um Texas has been you know under Shaka Smart has gotten better and better. West Virginia always seems to be just a tough out. And but this is this may be very well be KU's year. Um they had they bring in probably the best, one of the top two freshmen in the country and Jack and Josh Jackson. Kind of broke my heart a little bit because Maryland was one of his top three, but who would ra- you know, who wouldn't rather play it, live in Lawrence, Kansas than here Washington DC. So, not that I'm bitter. Oh, not that I'm bitter or anything. They still have, they still have Frank Mason III. They still have Devonte Graham. The, uh, the the front court is a is a bit new, but there, I think there's a lot of you, you. This is just a team that you know will be ready come March.
0: I think they're actually going to be ready come come next week. So next week they <laughs> play Duke. Well, they play Duke at the Garden next week. A week from today, November 15th, they play Duke. And I think that Duke will lose to Kansas. I think Kansas wins that game. Duke is very, very raw this year, more than ever before. And while they are the number one team overall for me and will be the number one, a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, it's going to take some time for this team to gel. And Kansas, for some reason, seems to never need time. They are just fluid at all times and it's why you and I are of the belief that Bill Self may be the best coach in basketball and at least in the NCAA. So, I I think you're right, it's Kansas's team it's Kansas's uh conference to lose, but what else is new? They've been winning that conference for 12 straight years. So, whatever at this point. But don't don't sit down on Iowa State. Uh I think they're going to have a good season as well, but Top 25, I don't think there's another Big 12 team in the whole top. Oh, Texas is, is 22nd, and that's it. So it's Kansas and everybody else. So let's move over to the Big 10. Big 10 in your Maryland Terps. In the, in the uh, top 25, Big 10 is Michigan State at 9, Wisconsin at 10, Indiana at 12, Purdue at 15, Actually I'm sorry, yeah, Purdue at fifteen, Maryland at twenty one, and that's it. And a couple of other teams getting some some votes on, on the bottom and the other receiving votes. Pretty deep deep conference. But do they have Michigan State is ranked ninth and Wisconsin tenth. Do they have a dominant conference? Is there is there a team that you can see making a very big run rather than just being a good quality conference?
1: Well, a team that every year Michigan State's a threat. Uh, this is again not a great Michigan State. You never think it's a it's a great Michigan State team, but at the end of the day, they're just a team that merges. Apparently, Jake is not a huge fan of Michigan State, judging by his reaction to my comment. But they're a team that, that, that they're a team that always seems to come about at the right time. Indiana is very good even without Yogi Ferrell although you I don't think they mentioned them they get Robert Williams back or they they get uh they get one of the they get Blackman back they're still pretty solid Wisconsin has Nigel Hayes and, and Bronson Koenig um but I I I think they're a little bit overrated I, I I I don't see it I see Purdue um you know this I think is Matt Painter's year to really see if he where he can take this team um they're huge. Uh, they're, they may have the biggest front court in the country with, with Haas and with Cub Swannigan. Um, if their guard, if their guard play can hold, I think they're the, they will be the biggest threat out of, uh, out of the big 10.
0: Okay. So let's go to the, uh, pack 10. So the pac 10, we got, uh, UCLA is, is ranked 20th, which is a little surprising to me being ranked that high and I've, uh, I believe they are the only top 25 from no. the Pac-10.
1: Looking at looking the top five. Oh,
0: Oregon, Oregon, number five, number five, Oregon. Yeah, that's it. Um, Oregon, UCLA.
1: Well, Oregon actually, Arizona, who's also ranked pretty high, as um, well. Oh yeah. It's Oregon and oh. It's Oregon and Arizona. Um, yep. Arizona's got a big time freshman Trier who's having some academic eligibility questions, if he's on, if he can get help, if they can keep him active, um, they are a final fourth threat. Oregon is so solid and so athletic. Um, I I believe they are, you know, they're going to be the favorite going forward and, you know, a final fourth threat under uh, Dana Altman. What, you know, what a job he's done the last three years out out in Eugene. UCLA to me until, until, until proven otherwise, I'm just not a big UCLA guy. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, what, so now we're looking at the uh, the also rams, which aren't re- well. First, we had the AAC, AAC which are, or the Big East, however you want to call them these days. Xavier in number eight, uh, obviously Notre Dame. Oh, Notre Dame's in the
1: ACC. I keep forgetting that. Villanova. UConn
0: number Yukon six, number sixteen. And of course, I choose Cincinnati number twenty five, Creighton number twenty three. And of course I forget I forgive me as I hate Villanova. So I skipped over them at number three. But they're gonna be a really tough team once again. And I think if we're looking for a player of the year candidate, Josh Hart. And I think he does That's win probably. player of the year.
1: That's probably where I'd be going as well. Yes, they you know the national championship team loses Ryan uh DiArcino who is their point guard forever, but they still have Brutchel and Brunson. they still have Josh Hart, they still have Chris Jenkins. Um they brought in some freshmen. You know, this is a team you know, this is a team that had underachieved forever and then a year where it was not anticipated to make a great run, it really kind of surprised everybody. And you know, stunned Carolina and really a truly a classic national championship game. They're right there. Xavier is just a perennial top 10 team that at some point will break through to a final four. I don't know if this is the year, um, but Chris Mack has done first. It was Stad Mata. First was Skip Prosser. I mean, going back, then it was Stad Mata. Then it was Chris Mack. And, you know, this is just for the last 15 years, it's almost been. You know, people have always said how Gonzaga has been that underrated team that's always, you know, been a threat. It's really been Xavier, and you know they'll continue to do so. A good conference this year. You know, Creighton is solid. Marquette's always pretty good. Um, you know, Georgetown. You know, your feelings on going over kind of complemented by, you know, correspond with my feelings on Georgetown. So you know, nothing new there.
0: Well, my my feelings on Georgetown are similar. Yeah. Being a Syracuse grad, that's basically uh, Georgetown is is Georgetown, right? I mean, nobody likes Georgetown.
1: No. No more response, just no.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So who are we missing? We're missing Gonzaga in the WA, the
1: WAC. Well, first of all, we haven't even touched the SEC. And the reason reason we may not want to touch the SEC is because we're looking at Kentucky – we're looking at probably I mean, we're only looking at one or two teams really. Florida may come back a little bit, but we're looking at Kentucky and then everybody else. A and M had a wonderful year Correct. last year, but it's not a, they're not a real no one looks at them as a bona fide threat for the most part. You're really looking at Kentucky and just about nothing else. Correct. Correct.
0: So I, I would agree with that as well. And Kentucky is Kentucky, right? I mean, Kentucky they're gonna always Kentucky. reload. We are, they were what they say they were.
1: <laughs> well, the Kentucky, again, as always, they have some great freshmen. D'Angelo, De'Aaron Sox, they have, they brought in Monk, the point guard from Arkansas, who is, you know, they've been, we've been hearing about for years. They have Bam and They have a couple guys, you know, a couple of guys back, but Kentucky is always is a work in progress until we hit, we hit until we hit tournament time. And then, it's Calipari, you know. Then we see where it goes. But the SEC is kind of a nice warm up for all intents and purposes. That's all it really is.
0: Agreed. And now we move on to the WAC. The WAC.
1: The WAC. Well, there's nobody in the, the WAC, WAC anymore, dude. The WAC is. The, I'm looking at the. I mean, the West Coast Conference. You don't want the WAC. You want the West Coast because that's BYU, Gonzaga, and St. Mary's. That's St. Mary's.
0: Looking. You see, this is this is why I have Seth because I am not the college basketball guru that he is.
1: I don't even know if I'm a guru, but I, I just know where where St. Mary's at Gonzaga and BYU play. All these teams solid as always. Gonzaga, Gonzaga perpetually underachieves in the conference in, in the underachieves in, in the tournament. And that's disappointing. I'd like to see I'd like to see them after all this time make that make that great run. Um, St. Mary's under Randy Bennett who I'm surprised has really never gotten a better you know, maybe he's just content there, but never gotten a great job offer. Um, you know, I think again, seem I should have also mentioned the Pac-10, Washington, uh, dangerous, dangerous, bringing in a top five recruit, Markel Fultz, um from from Maryland. Um, and you know, you're looking again, St. Mary's Sweet Sixteen threat. Gonzaga is always a threat. They lose the bonus, you know, but they always re- just rebuild. There never seems to be much of a problem, and. Yeah, they're just—it's just the way they're—they're they're like they're the Boise State of basketball, for lack of a better exact lack of a better example. So, are we doing a ninety-minute show tonight?
0: I think we're going to do a seventy-five-minute show.
1: Yeah, I think that probably makes we're sense. Gonna,
0: we're 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 going to end it at eight fifteen. So um, okay, all right. So where else are we looking here?
1: Well, I think I think also the America the AAC that weird conference which is Temple, which is SMU without uh, Larry Brown. Uh, Houston is pretty good. Cincinnati, you know, UConn, you know, kind of the conference of misfit toys for lack of a better term, but they've kind of melded (laughs) into, you know, they kind of melded into a pretty solid basketball conference. And, you know, you can never overlook uh, as much as I, as much as I hate saying this, as much as you hate hearing it, you can never overlook UConn. They're always tough. Cincinnati is always tough. You know, these are always these are tough teams and tough cons- You know, they're teams you never want to play. They're the team. They're kind of like Purdue in the tournament. They're the team you're always gonna that's always there and is gonna lose 63-59 in the second round, and they just they yep. they wear you down. So
0: I, I um, absolutely agree with that.
1: You know, so you know, kind of going forward, I don't see a Final Four threat there, but. Mm -hmm. you know there there are a lot of tough teams the eight o'clock also the eight o'clock electorals came in nothing of note yet everything is too close to call most of the states are too close to call uh hillary clinton just wins one illinois pennsylvania north carolina ohio uh georgia which is shockingly close um florida which hillary is winning by 100,000 votes right now um so you know we're not going to discuss too much but it's, it's still too, it's still very, very early and it's going to be a long night of Seth drinking beer and watching, and watching either MSNBC or C or Fox, depending on my mood. Well,
0: and, and, and that's not an <laughs> abnormal life for you to begin with. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Cause me and Sean, Sean Hannity and I are, 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 uh, are, we're, yeah, we're, Your that's kind of how we roll.
0: We're so. so anyway, yeah. um, Okay, so who do you see going to Final Four? Where's your Final Four running at? Who are the best four teams?
1: Who are the best four teams? Duke, Villanova, uh, Kansas, and I would say number. I mean, it's not really going out on a limb. I'll probably go out on a limb a little bit with my with my. I'm going to actually say Xavier breaks through are going to be my Final Four. Okay.
0: Uh, if I'm going to pick a Final Four, Duke, Kansas, Villanova. I never pick Syracuse to make the Final Four,
1: ever. But go for it. You know you want it. Yeah,
0: I, think, I do, and I think that they're – you know, it's funny because I think they actually have a shot, and I think they have a good shot. So I will pick them as the as the underdog because I picked the one, two, and three in the, in the rankings so far. So I got to pick somebody outside of the scope. And um, yeah, you know what? It's it's going to be a really fun season to be a Syracuse fan. And I I didn't think that last year. I didn't think that at the end of last year when we lost Malachi Richardson, but the uh, this, we have definitely improved based on the senior um, fifth year, senior concept. And uh, we definitely got two of those. So good for us. Who do you th- So, you, so basically Xavier is your, is your surprise team, right?
1: Yes. They, they got, they have a hell of a backcourt um, with, uh, with Ed, Edmund Summer, who's kind of an all American candidate and Trevin Blewett. Um, they're, they're just, they're just eventually they've had so many years of so close and just at a certain point, I, th- I think you, I think it's a, it's a certain point. It just happens. Um, so we'll see, you know, it'll be, it'll be an interest. It'll be an interesting, uh, it's it's fun as always. And especially this year for me, since my ability to go out is now more and more limited as I have a kid, a, a three month old laughing at me at one hand and a dog barking at me in the other. Um, there'll be more and more college basketball for me to watch, which is certainly not the worst thing in the world.
0: So who is your uh, your player of the year?
1: Player of the year, do I go freshman? Do I go freshman? Do I go freshman? Do I go mellow Trimble? No, I can't go mellow Trimble. Um, I'm probably going to go – do I go Josh Hart? Mm. Give me, give me am I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go Josh Hart.
0: So you're taking my pick. Good job. Well done. I, oh, I commend you my, on. He was a, my pick as well, pick.
1: So.
0: I commend you on such a fantastic pick. Given that I Thank made you. it first. Well done. And who is your uh, freshman? Of the, who is your freshman of the year? Give because there will be that as well.
1: Um, Harry Giles down in um Duke.
0: Okay, and I'll take uh, Josh Jackson in Kansas. So, who's your national champion?
1: KU over Duke.
0: KU Which over. Which is really the okay.
1: the match the matchup, we the matchup everyone has been waiting for for about 20, since 1991. They've they they've been the they've been the first they've been the first seeded teams they they've both been one seed so many times and had so many chances for this to happen. And it hasn't happened since Duke's first title after they beat UNLV. I think it I think it happens here. And Bill Cell pretty much okay, cements his Hall of Fame status and potentially starts to look at the NBA if they win the sec the second one for him.
0: Really? You think he's gonna
1: what look at the is NBA? Have... What are the have left? He would have won 13 straight Big Big 12 titles. He'll have won two championships. He'll have made a third at a certain point. You know, I mean, but again, you know, know, we've heard comments before. It may just be the right time for that to happen.
0: Yeah, when's the last time you heard that he was looking to leave?
1: I'm not saying he's looking to leave. I'm saying people are going to sniff around a little bit, even a little bit more than usual. Um I had heard a couple years ago there were some rumors now the other thing also may be he want, may want to wait another year because I believe if they win the big twelve next year, it'll be the, it'll set an all- time record for most you know most times that any team has ever won a conference consecutively. um I believe that I heard that from actually the man who did the documentary on Kansas basketball when we were emailing him to, when I, we were emailing yesterday, Josh Swade. So I take his word as God when it comes to to to, to Kansas basketball. So I'll just kind of – that may be enough incentive for him. But, you okay. know, we'll see how it plays out.
0: I, I totally agree with you. And if I was going to – my national champion was I Will Steal Yours, I thought it would be Kansas as well, um, given that – look, freshman work, it's been proven that the – uh the Kentucky way does work, but it hasn't been proven by anybody but Kentucky that you can win <laughs> with the majority of freshmen.
1: So uh, wait a minute. Until that didn't time, some team didn't what? some team from upstate New York win with their two best players be, being in the, being freshmen?
0: Well, I'd like to say Warwick was probably better than than Jerry McNamara, but in his freshman year, freshman year. But the fact is. Yes, two worked, four don't work, three don't work, and the majority of your team doesn't work, and Duke has not only freshmen who they're relying on very heavily, but they're also relying on freshmen coming off injuries and big injuries. Harry Giles yeah. has had both of his both ACLs redone in
1: the last three years. So And he just top three I, coming I, out, which shows you how much how much talent he has.
0: Uh, I agree. Florida
1: just projected Marco Rubio doesn't... to the Senate. Damn. Sorry. Look, <laughs>
0: I can I can live with Marco Rubio. I could live with Marco Rubio as long as Florida goes to HRC I can live with Rubio. Anyway, that being said, nobody has been able to perfect the major freshman contribution. Except, and remember, Carmelo could have been Player of the Year, right? Nobody has been able to project that, to enhance that other than John Calipari. And I think it's going to shape up as if my final four comes correct, I think it'll be Kansas against Syracuse in which Syracuse will get blown out. And then it'll be Villanova against Duke. And you're going to find two teams who are in stark contrast to one another. You're going to have a junior and senior laden team again in Villanova. And you're going to have a freshman and sophomore-laden team with, of course, our guy Grayson as a junior in Duke. And I think you'll see Nova against Kansas in the finals. And I think Kansas takes it. So that's just me. And we'll see what happens. The coach of the year is Bill Self, who, who never gets enough credit, ever. Other than when we
1: met no, him at the Hall of Fame and took the picture and said he was the best coach ever. But other than that, <laughs> he got no play. I'm not quite sure we said that, but uh fair enough.
0: I think we did. So, I think we said you're the best coach in college basketball, but okay.
1: Oh uh, we may have said that, we but we never said he was the best coach ever. True. That's not quite the same. True. So we
0: got five minutes left. Go for it.
1: You go first, because I just lost my train of thought. I had something, and I completely forgot what it was.
0: Okay, so I'm going to tell something that most people have been saying all day. If you were in New York right now and you're listening to our show, stop listening to our show. And you'd ask me why. If you haven't voted, stop listening to the show and get your butt to a voting booth. I say this every single year. I don't care that you're listening to our show. I care that you vote. There have been far too many people that have died in the process of protecting our freedom and protecting the right that we have to vote. And I don't even view it as a right anymore. It's an obligation. You, me, most of the people that listen to this broadcast, we live in a country that can elect a Donald Trump that can elect a Hillary a woman as first president of the United States. We elected an African American as a president for the last 8 years. You know why? Because we have the right to vote. And to take that right and take that right for granted is something I think it is your obligation more than anything else as a citizen of the United States. So thank you to those that have voted. Look, I'm a little scared. I won't, I won't pull punches. I'm a little scared for what's going to happen tomorrow, whether Clinton or Trump wins. I'm very scared if Trump wins. I didn't think it actually had an opportunity to do such. But what happens tomorrow is, will ha- is the same thing that happened when Barack Obama won and when Ronald Reagan won, and when George Bush won, and when Bill Clinton won, we will come together back as a nation because we will have voted. And it will be our say, not some dictator, not some republic, not Republican, republic that has said this is your king or this is your president. This is the greatest country in the world because we say who runs it, not anybody else.
1: Right, I'm not gonna really follow that. Um, I, I guess the only thing I would say is, no, keep <laughs> listening to our show. <laughs> you can you can you can go vote about t- if it's after eight o'clock. Either you can go vote by before nine, or it's too late anyway. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I'm terrified to death of Trump becoming our president. I have no real other response than that. Um, we'll be back next week with a normal show, or as normal as we get. Um, damn that I can't think of what I wanted to say as I get delirious in my old age. For Sean Palmer, this is Seth Kamen, the Seth and Sean Sports Radio show on Backsportspage.com, Bog Talk Radio. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. See you.